4: Whatcom County has confirmed that the Nooksack River has crested and is not expected to overflow its banks.
3: Flooded communities catch a break. How long it'll last and the region's still at risk.
5: How late warnings might have contributed to the chaos the models that the river forecast staff were using at that time were inadequate and were not up to the job. The government report that predicted major problems but was ignored.
3: And staying safe over the holidays.
6: We put on the invitation that everybody need to be vaccinated to come.
3: How your guest list takes on added importance this year.
7: You're watching Global BC.
8: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. After a break from heavy rainfall, there's cautious optimism on the flood-weary Sumas Prairie in Abbotsford.
3: During the lull, floodwater levels continued to gradually drop. And with the end of the forecast, atmospheric rivers now in sight, many residents say it feels like the immediate danger is subsiding. Imadagahi is live in Sumas Prairie. What a difference a day makes and hopefully uh, these people can start to recover.
1: Yeah, it has been one of the better days for this devastated community that is really exhausted. We talked to a lot of folks today. That is the best word to describe the mood of the people here in the Sumas Prairie because although it's been several weeks, several weather events, it has looked like and seemed like a long, never-ending nightmare. I'm going to show you where we are right now on South Parallel Road. now. For the most part of the day, it has been dry, but the latest rain event has still had an impact here where some new areas are taking on water. Uh, We're on the South Parallel Road. It runs along and, and next to Highway 1. You can see the road ends into what is a lake and some water streaming right next to a property. It looks like a creek and flows like one too, except this is Abbotsford's South Parallel Road, and that's someone's property. And despite rising water levels from Tuesday's heavy rain closing some sections of Watcom Road as well, the sense in this now exhausted community is that through the latest row of marching storms, the damage was subdued. We've been in the cleanup process ever since the big one hit here. The big one, and that is how people in devastated Sumas Prairie describe what happened here. And even though water has now receded in many areas, There will be so much to clean up, beginning in farms like the one owned by Rich Van It took on so much water, he was forced to bring some of his calves inside his own home. That was uh, entertaining for a small while and then it got smelly.
4: Regional water modeling projections for today and for the next few days continue to indicate a stabilization of overall water levels.
1: This is why many crews in Abbotsford have been working so hard, preparing as much as possible leading up to the last of three atmospheric rivers.
4: I look forward to a time when we no longer have the term atmospheric river included with our weather projections.
1: Just two days ago, this area where people are still under evacuation order in Huntingdon was unrecognizable under a few feet of water. Now it's littered. There's been a lot of stuff out here, so can't go to
6: work, may as well go and clean
4: up. The water in the lake bottom, which is probably about three kilometres, three and a half kilometres in diameter, that water is going to be there for a number of weeks. And we don't really know what's under there yet until that water recedes.
3: Well, as we can see in your story, Ahmad, uh, the rain held off today, but it does seem that it started up again.
1: Yeah, it, it has. You could see it, although this, this rain right now is quite light. Now, uh, despite it being a stable day in the water levels, Mayor Henry Braun did mention that they will need cooperation from the weather before they can lift some of these evacuation orders and get people back home.
3: All right, thanks for that. i in Abbotsford.
8: And on the topic of evacuation orders, one remains in place for more than 400 homes and recreational properties in Mission, due to flooding from the Hatsik River. As Grace Key reports, residents of Shook Island and the Benbow Street neighbourhood still have no idea when they'll be allowed to return home.
9: Alicia Hall is back home assessing the damage. Early Wednesday morning, flood water started creeping up onto her property in Mission. Just about to the door, like maybe like three feet to the back door. They're busy cleaning up the mess and getting ready for possibly more flooding. They've been through this before. The real damage came a couple of weeks ago when the heavy rains first started. We got the couch up in time. Um, for the most part, like, we kind of saw it coming, so we moved, like, the expensive stuff like electronics and whatever we really could but I was in denial. I didn't think it was going to come in the house. I was like, oh, it's fine. We don't need to do it. A local state of emergency and evacuation order remains in effect for more than a dozen homes along the Benbow Street subdivision in Hatsick for a second time. So when you ask about the flooding, they'll ask which one.
1: For the second time or the first time? <laughs> well, the second time was just, just today. Uh, this morning, mostly it was, uh, yeah, woke up this morning and it was in the garage there and uh, came out pretty quick today.
9: But after the first flood a couple of weeks ago, homeowners got ready for more water.
1: Uh, so far, we're okay. Our living space is up a little bit, but just, just in the garage for now.
3: Okay, anything in the garage that was damaged?
1: Oh, no, I moved everything out. <laughs> 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 the, okay. Learned my lesson from the first time.
9: The nearby Everglades Resort on Hatsick Island with 400 mobile homes and cabins has also been put under an evacuation order. The City of Mission delivered sandbags to residents along Binbo, where some have been
3: prepping for weeks. So grateful. You know, the city has been wonderful. Um, The first go around, we had to go up to the works yard to bag our own.
9: But now they're bringing them here already done. The evacuation order will remain in effect until the 7th, unless cancelled earlier. Not much you can do, really, like once the water's
3: in, it's in. Nothing you can do. Just wait for it to go back down and hope it stops raining.
9: Grace Key, Global News.
3: After some stressful days for many Maple Ridge residents, a bit of relief during today's brief break from the rain.
5: But as you can see, a lot of this has come down in the last two hours. It's dropped quite a bit, you know.
3: Maple Ridge resident Alan Bosaton, who lives near the Alouette River, set up sandbags and a pump to protect his home from the rising water. Upstream, BC Hydro crews have been controlling the release of water from the Alouette Reservoir, but another significant rainfall event could lead to renewed flooding.
5: So now it's starting to, this should go quick, it should take it all the way really fast, but as I'm saying, that's looking pretty gray out there and now and looks like it could
10: rain and bottle It's just been unrelentless rainfall, but uh, we have been keeping a close eye on it and actively managing the reservoir levels to minimize
3: impact. The flooding and ongoing high water have forced the closure of Golden Ears Park due to dangerous conditions.
8: As if the events of the past two weeks weren't enough evidence, we now have a much clearer picture of the staggering amount of rain three atmospheric rivers dropped on the province. As John Waugh reports, With one more storm pulse still ahead of us, we're still being asked to stay home if travel isn't absolutely necessary. This
11: is what a lull looks like. A short break from the beating British Columbia has suffered from three brutal back-to-back storms. The full extent
5: of the damage from this latest storm remains to be seen.
11: Midway through a third atmospheric river, areas under warnings in the central coast seem to have mostly been spared parts of the Fraser Valley not so fortunate.
5: Even as we continue recovering from the impacts of previous systems and widespread flooding, we are monitoring weather and road conditions across the province very closely.
11: BC's highway system continues to be a fluid situation as sections of Highway 1 and Highway 3 continue to be affected by flooding. Key routes like Highway 7 and Highway 99 are open for essential travel.
8: We need to uh, keep uh, key highway corridors open for the Supply chain that British Columbians depend on. There are communities that are experiencing shortages. These trucks getting through are critically important. A
11: priority between Abbotsford and Chilliwack, leaving up a Tiger Dam now. Hopefully, means that section of highway can reopen much sooner.
8: We got to get through today, and then we got to get through tomorrow. But uh, we'll uh, we'll be basing that on on what we're seeing on the ground.
11: Hard not to look ahead with dread knowing what's already come down here in Abbotsford. Abbotsford has
12: broken its November totals for precipitation uh, by 99 millimeters, so a huge departure from the previous record.
11: Even if the rain over the remainder of this storm is lighter than expected, weather experts warn that higher temperatures and greater snow melt can easily make up the difference. When the snowpack
12: is thinner, it's closer to being uh, melted and so an event like this can actually melt a lot of snow
11: the message while many start to look ahead to highway reopenings and storm cleanup this is no time to let our guard down john hua global news
3: As floodwaters begin to rise again in Princeton, residents are scrambling to secure what's left of their homes. Homes and apartments in Princeton are covered in waste and hazardous materials. Most homeowners have been evacuated, some trying to fix their homes themselves. Others have restoration companies doing the work, but one business says it's booked up for the next few months. Princeton Mayor Spencer Coyne says they are still monitoring the sewer system. It's stable for now, but the biggest concern is what could happen when the temperature plummets.
13: We're supposed to get to minus nine this weekend, and it's supposed to start snowing. And there's snow in the forecast for the next couple of weeks, long term. So winter's coming, and everybody right now is trying to get ahead of that winter. If we get water tonight, then we'll we'll have to deal with that tomorrow and 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 the next day and, and try to get ahead of that freeze because once it freezes in a place where we're gonna have other issues
3: coin adds the next 24 hours are incredibly crucial for the community with heavy winds and the river levels still not going down
8: well we certainly hope we're through the worst of it although there is still some rain in the area we'll bring in meteorologist christy gordon right now for the latest on what to expect and also this will be amazing for folks bc also set a new temperature record for december christy
14: Oh, incredible so this atmospheric river bringing in not only rain but heat as well 21 records broken across the province today and this one is very interesting 22.5 degrees was recorded in Penticton that is a BC monthly record high and it tied the Canadian record high which was set back in 1982 in Hamilton Ontario incredible heat and when we look at the monthly records for precipitation also incredible 600 15 millimeters was recorded in Chilliwack. That is a new all-time record. So not just the wettest November but the wettest month ever and that was also the case in Abbotsford. Now the rain is expected to ease off overnight but when I come back we'll show you how much more is on the way and we'll also look at the temperatures to show how that will impact the snowmelt.
8: Sounds good. We'll check in in just a moment. Now it's in times of crisis that British Columbians come out to help. Global B.C. 980 CKNW, AM730 and Global Okanagan are all partnering for BC Together in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to check out the groups that are stepping up to help out and to donate to an organization of your choice.
3: Well, some good news on the gas supply front. It could be almost back to normal soon. Trans Mountain now says if everything goes according to plan, it's only a few days away from restarting the pipeline which was shut down as a precaution due to the flooding. The company says it has nearly 500 workers on the ground shoring up the line, and this week's rain has not caused any new problems. That pipeline carries 300,000 barrels of petroleum products from Alberta to B.C. every day. Trans Mountain says the pipeline will operate at reduced capacity when it does restart. Well The holiday season is supposed to be full of joy, but this year it might include some difficult conversations about vaccination status, why Dr. Bonnie Henry is urging caution with concerns about the Omicron variant in BC. That's next on the news hour.. Reaching for the top, a young climber following in her father's footsteps coming up on the news hour. And an
8: impaired driver turns the street into a demolition derby. that's later.
3: Right now, though, some encouraging news among the latest COVID-19 numbers for our province. We have 375 new cases, just under 3,000 active cases. 301 people are in hospital with 98 of them in ICU. That's the lowest critical care number we've seen since late August. There have been seven more deaths, though, and that includes a person in their 40s. And 87.9% of British Columbians aged 12 and older are now fully vaccinated.
8: Okay, with uh, us all heading into the holiday season, BC's top doctor says it's time to have some tough conversations about who can attend family gatherings.
3: Dr. Bonnie Henry says vaccination status is critical in these settings, especially with the Omicron variant creating new concerns about further spread of COVID. Richard Zussman reports. It's officially December. Peak times
13: for caroling, lights, presents, family gatherings. But this holiday month brings something new, Omicron. There is still more to learn about its effect on transmission, severity of disease. As the world learns about the COVID variant on the fly, British Columbians are being asked to think about their holiday plans. For indoor family gatherings, be it Hanukkah this weekend, Christmas around the corner, or any other celebration,
2: it's about knowing who is coming. I think it is important for us to kindly have those conversations and for people who have chosen not to be vaccinated at this point, I encourage you to rethink that decision. Even though you know your people, we don't know who those people have been with, you know, on a train or
13: in a restaurant or in a store. So I think we have to continue to be cautious. Places of worship will look different this holiday season, a requirement now to wear masks indoors. And if there is no vaccine mandate in place, capacity must be 50%.
6: As a faith leader, I see it as my responsibility to keep my congregation safe, spiritually and physically.
13: As for holiday travel, Omicron could change things. For now travel across Canada and the U.S. is not restricted except for vaccine requirements for returning to Canada and on flights anywhere. Air travelers into this country from anywhere outside Canada and the U.S. will be required to do a COVID test and wait at the airport until it comes back negative.
2: Here in BC we've also been through an awful lot in these last few months. So I know uh, sometimes that means people need to be with family Um, But I would encourage you to keep it small and keep it close to home.
13: For those not fully vaccinated kids going cross-border, including those with one COVID shot, they must stay away from big crowds
3: for 14 days. still not possible for a Canadian family to come over the border, shop and return home, or even to come over the border, visit grandma and then return home and the kids to go back to school the next week.
13: And as the COVID virus evolves... So do our holiday traditions. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
8: Well, we all know the pandemic has had a major impact on health care in Canada, but a new report from the Canadian Medical Association puts it into very sharp focus. As Ted Chernecki reports, the CMA says thousands of people died because the the pandemic delayed their treatment. At every
7: healthcare facility in the country, behind the daily case counts and deaths from COVID, there are others dying, in essence due to neglect. That's the finding of a new study commissioned by the Canadian Medical Health Association. The tentacles of the pandemic are far reaching. We already know about the increase in opioid related deaths, nearly 20 a day across the country. The food insecurity population shot up by 39% at the start of the pandemic. And fully two thirds with chronic diseases have had difficulty accessing care.
2: Even prior to the pandemic, hip and knee replacements were way off the charts in terms of being able to meet the six month Requirement. So no province was meeting that. That was before the pandemic. And then
7: there's the surgery backlogs. At the low end, breast cancer, 46 days lost. At the high end, hip replacement, at 118 days. And in between, everything from cataract surgeries, knee replacements, MRI and CT scans, and others. The cost to return wait times to pre pandemic levels is estimated at $1.3 billion. The study shows there have been more than 4,000 of what it calls excess deaths, not related to COVID, due to delayed care.
12: I think it really just paints a picture about how serious the issues are facing our healthcare system and the real need to move forward with all levels of government towards action to actually create a sustainable system that can serve Canadians.
7: The study also looked at race or ethnicity-based harassment, up 30% for Chinese, 27% for Koreans, and 19% against Southeast Asian minorities. The Kids Help phone saw a 28% increase in calls about physical abuse. Just about every sector of healthcare has been compromised by the pandemic.
2: And so we have increased demand and reduced supply. So it's just a recipe for disaster.
7: There's that saying, justice delayed is justice denied. But at a medical level, in at least 4,000 cases, it may have been health care delayed. His patient has died. Ted Schoenke, Global News.
3: A prominent Canadian QAnon figure based in Victoria says she has been arrested by the RCMP and detained under BC's Mental Health Act. Romana DiDulo, who often refers to herself as the Queen of Canada, made the claim on a YouTube video. DiDulo, who has an alleged history of urging her followers to shoot health care workers and others connected to the COVID-19 response, says she was taken to Royal Jubilee Hospital for psychiatric assessment.
5: Just ahead, warning signs missed. Staffing levels at the River Forecast Centre were way, way too low.
8: A decade-old report that predicted exactly what the Fraser Valley is living through right now.
3: And recognize this SkyTrain passenger? Why police are looking for him coming up. Still a little flow for southbound traffic from Vancouver to the Arthur Lang
10: Bridge. You've got pockets of volume starting around Granville Street. Planning a trip with BCAA Travel Insurance, you get free COVID-19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's top choice. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
8: The province is being accused of ignoring a decade-old warning that its emergency flood response team was severely understaffed and therefore unprepared for the recent catastrophic flooding.
3: As Paul Johnson reports, the number of employees at the River Forecast Center never changed, even after being warned.
15: Well, we're mostly powerless to avoid the kind of weather event that caused BC's historic flooding disaster. We are able to make emergency plans and preparations according to the forecasts our science makes available.
5: So the River Forecast Centre is effectively the frontline agency in British Columbia that is designed to provide uh, both uh, early warnings and effective warnings about uh, potential flood events.
15: Ben Parfit is a veteran journalist and analyst with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives he was contacted by a former senior official with the provincial government, who pointed out that B.C. had been warned that it needed to substantially increase the number of people who do flood forecasting
5: work. Madison was very clear at the time uh, that in order for the forecast center to be effective in providing early warnings, staffing levels needed to be increased. The report was called the River
15: Forecast Center Review. It was put together by Jim Madison, also a former senior official in the Ministry of Environment. Among the points that Madison made was that when B.C.'s flood forecasting resources were compared with our nearest neighbors, Alberta and the Pacific Northwest states to our south, each of those jurisdictions had more than twice as many people assigned to do flood forecasting. Madison's recommendation was that B.C. at least double its staff.
5: Incredibly, uh, 11 years have passed since Madison issued that report, and the staffing levels at the River Forecast Centre today are unchanged from what they were 11 years ago. We have, a, a, we have incredible uh, 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 staff uh, working in the River Forecast Centre. They do incredible work.
15: That was Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth's reaction Wednesday to news about the existence of that report. While it can never be known conclusively how much difference, if any, a beefed-up roster at the River Forecast Center would have made, with all the new evidence suggesting climate change is making storms more frequent and more intense, the question of why British Columbia apparently never acted on advice to at least have the same level of forecasting staff our neighbors
8: do is an intriguing question. Paul Johnson, Global News. And as if the flooding hasn't caused enough problems on B.C.'s highways, a crash shut down a major alternate route in the Okanagan today, holding up dozens of semi-trailer trucks. Highway 97 was closed in both directions, just south of Penticton in Kaledon, after a collision between a pickup truck and a transport truck. One man is in hospital. The semi was hauling diesel, and police shut down the highway for their investigation and for the cleanup. That left nearly a hundred trucks waiting for the route to reopen.
6: Closures due to uh, crashes of any kind, whether they involve commercial vehicles or not, uh, is uh, is costly, and um, you know uh, people are sitting there unnecessarily. Uh, we want our, our goods and services to flow back and forth, obviously, uh, but we don't want people to compromise their safety either.
8: The highway has since reopened. Police are asking all drivers to slow down, especially those from out of province who might not be familiar with B.C. routes.
3: Transit police are searching for the suspect in an alleged sexual assault at a SkyTrain station in Vancouver. The incident happened at the 29th Avenue station on Saturday at around midnight. A woman was walking down the stairs to the platform when a person asked for the time. Police say that individual then allegedly blocked her path groped her, and forced her to the ground. The suspect even pushed her down a set of stairs. She fought back and pushed the suspect away. If you witnessed the incident or know the identity of the suspect, you're asked to call Metro Vancouver Transit Police.
8: Vancouver police are looking for a driver who struck a pedestrian and left the person badly injured near Science World. It happened Saturday night. A 32-year-old woman was crossing Quebec at Central around 10.30 p.m. when she was hit by a vehicle heading south. The driver did not stop. Police are looking for a gray Audi S4 or S5, likely a 2009-2012 to 2012 model. Significant debris, including a driver's side mirror, was left at the scene of the accident. Anyone who might have witnessed the accident or have footage of it is asked to come forward.
3: A 42-year-old woman has been arrested for impaired driving after an SUV crashed into several parked cars in Colwood. The incident happened just after 3 a.m. Tuesday, West Shore RCMP say residents woke up to a loud crash, but didn't find anyone on the street when they went to investigate a home surveillance video shows dramatic video of the vehicle losing control. 15 minutes later, officers received another report of the same SUV slamming into a fence before taking off again. Police managed to track down the driver and say, fortunately, no one was injured throughout all of that.
8: Very lucky. Okay, up next, reaction to another major tax hike proposed for Vancouver homeowners. What we're hoping, uh, you know, in the next week is that City Council takes a good hard look at this budget. Why firefighters say you might not be getting much for your money.
3: And what, what this guy was busted doing at the B.C. Legislature
13: working as one to connect our province. BC Together, in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to learn where and how you can help today
10: again, along Highway 1 eastbound through Burnaby, a new crash between Willingdon and Kensington has the left lane blocked and emergency crews on scene. Through a new charitable partnership between the Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Centre. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre.
8: The Mounties are looking for help from the public to identify a man whose remains were found two years ago. This image shows what the man is believed to have looked like. His remains were discovered near Merritt in September of 2019, but it's thought that he died several years before that. He was somewhere between 20 and 50 years old, six feet, two inches tall. He had brown hair and weighed about 220 pounds. The the remnants of his clothing included a gray t-shirt and a maroon hoodie If you have any information as to his identity, contact the Southeast District Major Crime Information Line.
3: Victoria police are looking for a suspect in a mischief investigation involving a protest at the B.C. legislature last Friday. The man is described as Caucasian, about 5 feet 10 inches tall, with a light brown goatee and curly shoulder length brown hair. The incident took place shortly after the prime minister met with the premier to discuss the flooding emergency in British Columbia. After the event, police say another man was taken into custody for mischief, which prompted about 20 protesters to start kicking at doors and block building exits. Anyone with information is asked to call police.
8: Well, with uh, Vancouver homeowners looking at the possibility of a five percent property tax increase, the city's fire department is sounding an alarm.
3: It says while residents will be paying more when it comes to fire protection, they could be getting less. Jordan Armstrong reports.
16: Uh, City manager, is there any way you'd like to proceed? It would be easy to begin this story at City Hall, where Vancouver's budget is debated and decided, but we'll start with homeowners. The people who'd actually have to pay the property tax increase proposed at 5%. That's too much. It's already too much.
17: Taxes in Vancouver are pretty reasonable. 5% is not a huge amount, to be honest. Wow, 5%. Uh, it felt like it went up this year already quite a bit.
16: It's actually gone up a similar amount the past few years. And now, as council considers a $1.7 billion operating budget for next year, firefighters are sounding the alarm.
2: At this point in time, with these increasing calls, no, we do not have enough to maintain uh, going forward.
16: The union takes it a step further, saying the budget, as tabled would result in what it calls dangerous cuts to the fire service. As they proposed in this budget, there'll be five less firefighters uh, on the streets of Vancouver. This with a toxic drug crisis, pandemic and climate emergencies, medical calls up 81%. Lax says South Vancouver desperately needs another fire truck and points to the June heat dome as an example. The death and despair that we saw Uh, Those are visions that I'll probably never forget. He's hoping council won't forget a prior promise to hire 100 more firefighters, something the pandemic put on the back burner. I feel for this council, decades of inaction on critical core services is
13: landing in their lap today.
16: Expect more finger-pointing and debate over Vancouver's budget. Council isn't due to vote on it until next week. Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
8: In Health Matters tonight, it seems little has been done to combat anti-indigenous racism within the B.C. healthcare care system one year after a report that was made by retired judge Mary Ellen Turpel-Lafond. Progress has been made in just 10 of the 24 recommendations of the persistent problems. Turpel-Lafond has said she continues to receive disturbing complaints about racism occurring at the point of care. Some of the progress that has been made includes apologies issued from governing bodies. Indigenous leaders recruited across health authorities to aid in systemic change, as well as the government introducing Bill 18, which is an amendment to the B.C. Human Rights Code to include Indigenous identity as a protected grounds for discrimination.
3: It's a holiday tradition that brings much joy. Next on the News Hour, illuminating Canucks Place, giving light and hope to sick children and their families. The big reveal next. And coming up in sports,
8: battling at the bottom, can the Canucks get a much-needed win against the worst team in the league? You're watching Global News Hour at six.
3: Well, I was going to point to the poinsettias on the set as it the giveaway. <laughs> but there are poinsettias on our set, which means it is officially December now. And today, Canuck Place Children's Hospice kicked off the holiday season by lighting thousands of festive lights decorating the grounds.
8: It's such a beautiful spot. Our Nithu Garcha is down there with more on this very special tradition. Nithu.
10: That's right, Chris and Sophie, the rain is coming down pretty hard, but that didn't stop about 100 people from coming to Canuck Place tonight to support and bring light to children with life-threatening diseases and in palliative care here at Canuck Place. Here is that moment that happened just minutes ago when some 60,000 lights came on. Three, two, one. There it is. Donors, hospice partners, friends and family members coming together to celebrate the community of supporters contributing to the pediatric palliative care funding of more than 715 families across B.C. Minister Adrian Dix, Canucks mascot Finn and a choir also here tonight. And to learn more about the impact of this event and the work done at Canuck Place, I'm joined now by Canuck Place family
17: therapist, Deborah Davison, to talk more about it. So what does tonight mean to you? Oh, thank you so much for coming and being with us. It's been such an amazing evening. I think this is an annual tradition that we do yearly when we light our lights in the neighbourhood and shine light into dark spaces. I can't think of a more appropriate activity for us all to take part in after the year that everybody has had to shine light into the dark. For me, these lights represent the love that our families have for their children and also the generosity of our community. And how
10: important is that funding at a time when so many nonprofits are struggling to get the donations they're used to?
17: Boy, I, it, I can't overstate the, how much the generosity makes for people. And if anybody's wanting to be involved in that, connectplace.org is the website where people can donate. In fact, the Light of Life campaign this year through the generous donors, John and Claire Nicola and friends, along with the Coramondo Foundation, have decided to double match every donation that is given between now and December 31st. And for us as a team at Connect Place, we're able to do the work we do because people are so generous in helping us. And we do this all together out of the love and the light for the family. So thank you for helping us share in that light. Thank you so much
10: for joining us and for the work you do, Deborah. And we have a breaking news funding announcement that Minister Dix announced here tonight. $3.5 million is coming from the province straight to Canuck Place for mental health resources and new technologies. That was just announced here tonight in what is the 26th year of this event. Back to you, Chris and Sophie.
8: Wow that's fantastic and uh, I know they have another facility out in Abbotsford too that mm-hmm. uh, that money's going to go a long way for families.
3: It's a special place for mm-hmm. sure. All right let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon once again with a look at our weather forecast and hopefully nearing the end of this round of atmospheric rivers. Christy.
14: Yes, I think we are nearing the end of that, and I'll show you how much more is expected. But first, I just wanted to show you, as I talked about earlier, 21 records broken across the province. We showed you 22.5 degrees in Penticton. Here's a few others. Just to give you perspective, in Summerland, for example, at 20.7 degrees, that's 20 degrees above seasonal for this time of year. Now, tomorrow we're expecting single digits, so that will improve the significant snow melt that we're seeing, but we're not expecting seasonal values until Friday. There's the atmosphere. River the hose of moisture but it's going to swing down across our region overnight and that's why we won't see as much rainfall 106 millimeters in hope this is the storm total so far 143 out towards Squamish this is how much more we're expecting before it shifts out of the region so minimal amounts for Metro Vancouver but up to 20 millimeters for the East Fraser Valley region and don't forget it's also the snow melt that will impact so we'll likely see impact on the rivers well into tomorrow as we continue to see this warmth tomorrow generally though a dry day on the way we have a slight chance of showers out through the Fraser Valley but that's about it Friday also looking dry only light rain expected late Friday into Saturday more significant rain expected Monday but that's still days away tonight central windows weather window coming to you from Kootenai Lake Tom sending us this one just a stunning shot it was uh, amazing to see that uh, color there thank you to Tom for sharing that with us as the sun went down
3: That's beautiful. Thank you, Christy.
8: <laughs> Got the mic on. You're All right, so does, so does Squire. Here he is now. All right.
0: So uh, BC boy Brent Seabrook is uh, coming out of retirement, kind of, to try his hand at coaching for a little while. He says he yeah, will just, help out uh, the Vancouver Giants. It's a fun
6: thing to do. And, and uh, like I said, hopefully I do good and, and can, can show these kids some stuff.
0: Well, he has three Stanley Cups and an Olympic gold in his resume, so I think the kids are going to listen closely to
8: him. Got their respect immediately. Also, the little climber with big ambitions. Why, she had the perfect coach to get her all the way to the top.
3: Too much to hope for?
0: No, not tonight. Okay. You can hope all you like. Hoping for a win. In fact, I haven't been able to say this in a while, but tonight's game for the Vancouver Canucks is one they should win. If they don't win, they have no excuses because this is the Ottawa Senators they are playing, the worst team in the NHL right now. Like real Ottawa-based Senators, they don't do very much. If the uh, Canucks were playing like the Senators, yes, there might have been a management house cleaning. After winning in Montreal on Monday, the Canucks will very likely come home on a two-game win streak, which should tamp things down a bit. Uh, look who's playing for now. Ottawa now. Adam Godette and, and he kind of uh, loses Cameron. track of Tanner, Tanner Pearson here on this first Steve Vancouver candidate. goal. I think that might be your man, Adam. Goal for the Canucks. Pearson is... Nice play by Connor Garland again. Look at him. He turns like a figure skater. He can whirl around in there. So that made it one nothing. But then Gaudet got his revenge. Power play. It comes to him, and he scores. Beats Thatcher Demko. One one at that point. And the Canucks have a chance here, and Philip Gustafson makes a nice save for the Sens. This is a good little play by the Canucks, and Tyler Myers attacks the net from the blue line, but a good glove save. Keeps it at 1-1. Second period now. I don't know what Gaudette's doing, but he's given the puck away, and the Canucks are scoring. Tyler Mott, unlike Tyler Myers, he was not stopped. One more look. All the Senators have kind of left. I think Gaudette probably should have chipped it out, but 2-1 Vancouver. Then, of all people, Luke Shin attacking the net and scoring. Nice goal for number two. That gave Vancouver a 3-1 lead in the third. They've tacked on two more. Yes, you can hope for a win here. 5-1 Vancouver. I want to show you this from last night. This is five seconds after the Lightning had scored to make a 2-0 against St. Louis. How did this go in for Eric Chernak? It hits the wall hits the glass, and takes a weird bounce and gets in on Jordan Bennington. That made it 3-0, but believe it or not, St. Louis came back to win this game 4-3 in a shootout. Brent Seabrook's NHL career was brilliant. It was cut shorter than he wanted because of injuries, and some of his old buddies from the Chicago Blackhawks glory days like Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Taves are still playing in the NHL. But Seabrook is going to try his hand at Helping
12: out the coaching staff now with the Vancouver Giants. The WHL again, bud. Brent Seabrook is back on the ice again. This holiday season marks the first time the 15 year NHL vet won't be skating in the big leagues. Instead, he's returned to his junior roots, joining the Vancouver Giants as an interim volunteer assistant coach.
6: Never really had, I can't say if I had aspirations to be a coach or not, but. Uh, you know, definitely something I'm looking forward to. It's it's uh, essentially a free look at, at coaching and seeing if uh, I'm enjoying it and liking it. And know, uh, hopefully I can do a good job. I want to help these kids and, and help the Giants uh, win and and things like that. So uh, I'm just, just hoping I can
12: help out. Who better to help out than a guy who's hoisted the Stanley Cup three times and also has an Olympic gold medal on his hockey resume? Seabrook has literally seen and done it all except coach. But when you remember who he played under as well as alongside... Just being beside Seabrook should make the kids better.
6: I always watched the coaches, and, and we always had lots of meetings and and things like that. Uh, you know, being with Joel for for so long, and, and Kitsch for a long time. The way the games changed, I think the speed of the game is uh, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable. I think back in the day, it was uh, maybe more of a thinking man's game. Now it's it's a lot of speed, getting guys you know on top of people, um, covering layers, and and uh, it's, it's, it's definitely changed, but at the same time, it's still hockey.
12: If Seabrook had his weight, he'd still be teeing it up and letting it rip. Shoulder and two separate hip surgeries, ending his playing career at the age of 36. He'll help with the Giants while head coach Michael Dick heads off to the World Juniors. After that, who knows? He's up for the coaching challenge, though.
6: I didn't fall at all on the ice today, which was good, so uh, I'm going to try and keep that uh, streak going through the rest of my coaching gigs, so it's, uh,
12: it's good. Jay Janowar, Global Sports. Yeah, if the new assistant coach
0: comes out in the ice and falls, I don't think those three Stanley Cups are going to impress them anymore. Uh, The Adrian Peterson never-ending tour of the NFL has taken him to Seattle. He has signed with the Seahawks, who are desperate for a running back who can get more than one yard at a time. He was recently dropped by Tennessee after he was brought in to replace Derrick Henry. Peterson has played for Minnesota, New Orleans, Arizona, Washington, Detroit, the Titans... And I guess now Seattle. The uh, Women's Professional Tennis Tour says it will suspend all tournaments scheduled for China because of the way China has handled the Peng Shui accusations. Accusations make that that she was sexually assaulted by a retired, high-ranking government official. Even though the WTA knows where Peng Shui is, it doesn't believe she is free and not subject to censorship. There you go.
8: All right, thanks very much, Squire.
3: Well, some dads do a father-daughter dance, but up next, the proud papa teaching his little girl to reach new heights. Well, she's an up and coming rock star, having just climbed the second highest peak in Wyoming, and she's only seven years old.
8: Obviously that's a remarkable accomplishment, but you might be less surprised by her success when you find out who her parents are.
2: Under that red helmet, I grab that hold. Is seven-year-old Marina Vassarelli Chin summiting Wyoming's 14,000-foot peak, Grand Teton?
14: The hardest part of the climb was looking down at the over the edge because
2: it's such a big mountain. It's an ambitious goal, but she's a chip off the old. Rock.
1: Nice. It was her idea. She's like, I want to climb the Grand.
2: We first met Marina's dad. Oh, man. That was really good. (laughs) Professional mountaineer and photographer Jimmy Chin for CBS Sunday Morning. He and his wife, Chai Bastarelli, directed the Academy Award-winning documentary, Free Solo. I'm scared. Their advice was to take it one step at a time. With a little encouragement, she kept going.
0: I didn't want to put a whole lot of pressure on her, so I was like, you can always just turn around whenever you want.
2: At one point, we almost turned back. And then what happened? And then Dad found the warm spot, and I took a nap. Despite an 18 hour day to the summit and back, Marina didn't stop smiling. That's the top. Her best advice goes beyond climbing. When you're about to give up, maybe all you really need is a quick nap. <laughs> Lilia Luciano, CBS News, Los Angeles.
3: I nap on the grass grind all the time.
8: <laughs> I think
3: you can <laughs> conquer the world
8: if you have a nap. I think we're all in agreement about that. Last, last word on weather before we go, Christy.
14: So thankfully, as this front moves across, it'll move fairly quickly. We could still see another 20 millimeters out through the Fraser Valley. We're also looking at quite incredible heat. We're talking about 15 to 20 degrees above seasonal for this time of year. So we'll see some significant snow melt.
8: No doubt. All right. Thanks, Christy. And thanks for watching, everyone.
14: Good night, all.